have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. Hey, this is Tyler Walker, voice of Gang Orca and Bondo, and ADR director and scriptwriter for hundreds of your favorite anime episodes, and a former guest on this show. You're listening to the I Know You Hear Me podcast with Mr. Flynn Hendricks. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D, every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famer on the show with us. Every Monday at noon, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Man, oh man, welcome back everybody to another awesome episode of the I Know You Hear Me podcast with me, Flynn Hendricks. And guys... I know I said it a lot, season two is going to be bigger and better than season one, and today is no lie, it is going to prove that statement to a T. I have got a huge guest on the line with me here today, and I can't wait to bring you guys that conversation. But before we get into that, I've got to take a minute and thank our sponsors, and I've got to thank the Give Me Back My Podcast Network for always having us on here and for advertising with the show. And I've got to thank Elise Bowman for continuing to promote on this show. So if you need a good voiceover coach, check the notes and go see EliseCoaches.com and tell her Flynn sent you. We're also on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You know the deal. Like, subscribe, and follow. It helps us out more than you know. And get this podcast on all podcasting platforms. We're available everywhere. Like, subscribe, leave a five-star review if you think I've earned it. And also, go subscribe to my new podcast, Tales from the Haunt. It's available on Spotify and Anchor and soon to be available on all podcasting platforms. But now, without further ado, I have got a living legend on the line here today. He's a jack-of-all-trades. He's an actor. He's a voice actor. He's also the owner of his own spicing and blend company. So if you are interested in grilling, make sure you check the show notes because we're going to have a link to his information here so he can get you the spices and rubs that you need. But let's run down his resume so I give him the proper introduction. You'll know this man from King of the Hill. He's also been on hit shows like ER and Charmed. He's been on Walker, Texas Ranger, Parks and Rec. He's also been on Nickelodeon's The Wild Thornberries. He's been on Disney's Pocahontas 2, A Journey to the New World. He's been in the Justice League. He's been in Ray Donovan. He's also been in the Magnificent Seven. And like I was saying earlier, he is the owner Red Corn, King of the Grill, Spices and Blends. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to have on the podcast here tonight, Jonathan Joss. Jonathan, thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you so much for a, a great audition, man. Oh, dude, my my pleasure. It's just uh, that, that wrestling talk and then, of course, voice acting and improv kind of has to pay off for something. Congratulations on your second year, man. Thank you, thank you, man. It's uh, it, It's crazy that it's coming up that fast, but here we are. So, man, this is going to be fun. 
that, that's cool, man. I mean, you, you know, I know I'm, I'm supposed to ask you some questions at the end of the show, so I'm going to save those questions. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, congratulations, man. I mean, two, thank you. Two things of anything is good, man. I, I've been married a little over a year. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. <laughs> well, man, let's uh, let's get into it a little bit because, like I was saying here, I listed off a few things, especially things that I've known you from. But man, like your resume is stacked with everything you've done. So let's back it up to the beginning before we jump into the deep end. What pulled a young Jonathan into the acting world? What piqued your interest with that? And you know, uh, I grew up here on the south side of San Antonio, mm-hmm. right now. Uh, went to a school called Gillette Elementary, home of the Gillette Spurs, man. That's that's like our basketball team. Yep. Um, real great school. I was always a heavy kid. Uh, I never embraced my true chubbiness mm-hmm. until I moved to L.A. and got a little success. And then it's, like, you know, hey, man, I can enjoy food again. I get but it. I get it. it. I became type of a class clown just because I was so heavy. Uh, my parents had a restaurant. I mean, what's, what's a man to do? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, beautiful, beautiful family, great food. You know, the, the the world was my oyster, man, and shrimp and, you know, fish and enchiladas. and plants. Oh, yeah. I think just being that, that larger-than-life kind of person just kind of pushed me forward. I, I saw a play uh, in elementary school, about third or fourth grade, and the actors were portraying different animals, different people. And you know what? You know what? I, I, I can do that. You know, I was, at the time, very uncomfortable, which I still am, mm-hmm. uncomfortable within my own body. So it's fun to be an actor and, and, and take you somewhere else, be somewhere oh, yeah. else, uh, have, have different characteristics, uh, have different belief systems. Mm-hmm. And at times it'd be a lot stronger or possibly even weaker than, than the actor themselves. So that's what really got me started. Uh, then in junior high, I was doing poorly in English, talking too much, uh, being a class clown and Miss Gams, God bless her sweet soul, man. She passed away a couple of years ago. Um, she had a conference with my mother. And basically told her that I was spending too much time talking, uh, trying to be a class clown to, you know, actually pass English. So my mother stepped it up and said, you know what, he'll stay after school and he'll do extra credit. I'll, I'll talk to him when he gets home. Yeah, Southside talks. Um, <laughs> but the point being is that she said, no, no, she said, I really wanted to join the drama department. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, man. Miss Gams uh, really took it home, man. We'd go to a place called Fiesta Dinner Playhouse here in San Antonio, Texas on the north side. Mm-hmm. It was the uh, dinner theater of Earl Holloman. I mean, I, I met people like you know, Roddy McDowell. I, I, I was just, it was amazing. An amazing experience. I met Patrick Wayne. Amazing experience. So at a very early age, I was exposed because of Miss Cam's to, you know, local theater beyond. I mean, right, right. New theater. So that really catapulted me wanting to do it junior high theater and high school uh, ended up graduating from our lake university here in san antonio where i worked with uh, rick slocum uh roger alvarez uh sterling houston uh uh sterling houston sterling, sterling. well anyway uh but yeah man uh just enjoyed it and uh then took myself off to uh did a play with with mike judd i'm sorry did a play with joe sears called greater, wow. uh, uh, greater tuna called uh the mountain man musical mm-hmm exposed me to going on the road um got out of college got my first decent decent gig on a show called eight seconds nice. with uh, perry and that oh, was my wow. first union job so after that job i was union certified i could do what i needed to do yeah. if i ever wanted to leave so after that uh got really lucky and started doing walker texas ranger 
Mm-hmm. I, I think six of those, two as two different characters, and three as as, as a young Uncle Ray. Uh, but at that time, because of Ann Richards, man, God bless, love you, Ann Richards, <laughs> love you, Ann Richards, whoever Ann Richards may be. Uh, she really believed in, in in Texas. Yes. And what we had to offer. I mean, Texas, big steak. We got steaks. We uh, we got we got cows. We got poultry. You name it, we got it. But mm-hmm. we also have a sense of performance that I think Texans could only understand. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh yeah. Uh, Richard Jones. These are Texas actors that ring in my head that that have a brand that says Texas. Uh, I guess the best thing was ever said about me. Uh, someone mentioned in front of a buddy of mine. Uh, man, Hollywood must have really fucked him up. And he said, hey, "Man, no. I he's known me since I was a kid. He's always been fucked up like that. Hollywood had nothing on him, man. And I think that's a good thing about Texas is that we're bigger than life, and in this industry." We need to be bigger than life. Absolutely. Home, not so much. But, you know, in, in La Tierra, in our neighborhood, not so much. But it's nice to be able to be on the screen and, and encompass what made us who we are. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, police down the street. Oh, man, they're busting the kids for riding their little motorcycles. Oh, oh, no. No. They you got a front row seat to it. And, oh, man. And they go up and down. The dog go berserk. <laughs> Oh, that's so sad, man. Gosh darn it. Yeah. But it was a, 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 a policeman and not an ambulance. You know? Yeah, better. Yeah, Whatever definitely. Silver lining. Uh, get a light. Uh, be safe. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Texas is bigger than life. It, it made me want to do something bigger than life. My mother always taught me that I could do anything I wanted to do. Absolutely. You know? Hey, shut up. People would, uh, uh, would leave jackets and hats and things at my parents' restaurant. And at the end of the night, I would put on these different characters and entertain oh, nice, nice. our wait staff or entertain the cook. Um, but yeah, man, it, 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 I couldn't do anything else in my life. Man. I really could not. And like I said, I, I had a big change in my life getting married last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, most difficult thing I've ever done, man. I thought, man, I've been to the mountain. You know, uh, this industry, I don't even work at it anymore. As you can tell, maybe because I'm not working. But the point being is that if it comes, it comes, man. Right. I've always been thrilled by that. And I thought perhaps marriage was like that. If you're married, if you're thinking about getting married, please contact me at jonathanjoss.com for the wedding. But if you're thinking about it, man, it's a serious thing, man. Every day, every day, I think in a relationship, if you're dating someone, you look for excuses not to date that person. You know, I didn't like the restaurant or, or you know, what like this car was bad. Mm-hmm. But when you get married, it's opposite, man. You've got, you know, find the reasons not to, man. Absolutely. Find the reasons that you need to, you know, and, and you'll try. I'll make her happy, make us happy, do that. You know what? I think when you find that certain person, the struggles, you're going to have them, man. Because it's not so much that it's supposed to happen. It's that it's your lifelong battle to make it every day, make it occur. Yes. Uh, so if you're going to get married, think about JonathanJoss.com. And if you're going to get married, man, it's an everyday thing. It's not like an acting thing, man. There's things, you know, there's days where I can act like I'm nice. I can act like I'm angry. Dude, I have to act like I'm married every day. <laughs> you know, and that's a lot. Dude, you're looking at a step and fetch it. Dude, I got one or two lines and I'm in and out. But to be the star of my own life where I have to act like a married man every day, Man, nothing more enjoyable, man. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Texas, big state, Ann Richards, 
she she made actors like me made it happen. I mean, she she introduced a a, a bill at the time in in the, in the late eighties, early nineties. I mean, Texas still we've got everything the coast to the green to the snow to the mountain, you name it, man. Veracruz to Paris, Paris. Oh yeah. But we don't offer enough. You know, there's there's ways that we could maybe you know uh, city wise mm-hmm. city wide help bring more film and local uh, uh, filming to Texas. I've, I've, I've executive produced a couple of small projects now, or associate produced, nice. um, that I'm really getting into, uh, as I said, and I, eventually I wish to direct. So being in Texas, as big as it may be, we still are a small, small industry. We're a small group of people. Because of people like Ann Richards, I got a big break. Governor Ann Richards, I got a big break. San Antonio, Texas has not seen a governor who will help back the arts. More importantly, film, TV, production, man. We, we, we've got people that are at home with computers that can do editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Robert Rodriguez, I mean, I'm a huge fan of his because he'll take it from the shot to the editing, and by the end of the day, you've got what you need. Yep. Uh, not mean to preach, but, man, Texas, you know, great place to be. Uh, thank you for allowing me to to you know expose the truth. Oh, of course, you. of course. That, I mean, that's what this podcast oh. is for. But it, it, it's just overcoming. Miss Gams helped me overcome that chunkiness feeling, that class clown feeling. Mm-hmm. Put me into an environment where I met famous people, saw professional performers. Uh, then from college, then over to to Joe Sears uh, doing a play into Walker Texas Ranger into Eight Seconds. Uh, Dallas was a big big break for me as well. Uh, the city of Dallas. Yep. Uh, just because it's a union type of city. So you get a little bit more, uh, quality work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Hey man, you don't have to be union to work. That's There's true. Ways to make things work. And more importantly, at this time we need to get, I mean, Hollywood's been in a standstill. They're dying for stuff to watch. Absolutely. You know, um, and I think if, if we just do small little stuff, that'll get us a recognition to where, you know, uh, uh, like the, the saying says, come and take it. Yep. Come and take my art and let it make you famous. Come and take it, Texas. Come and take it, United States. Come and take it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And man, wrestling talk there, man. Yeah, there is a lot of wrestling talk there. And uh, that's something we're going to actually circle back to because I've only wrestled in Texas once. And coincidentally enough, it was in San Antonio but we'll uh, we'll come to that here in just a little bit. But something I want to circle you know, back to. Have a chance to wrestle again one more time. Might be your last time. Oh, that that's one thing. Let's go ahead and get to that now because I didn't know that you had been involved in the wrestling world until I saw it on Facebook. So I just coincidentally, like, I just like, there's no way this is gonna pan out. I just commented and threw my name out. I would love to have a match or challenge you to a match whenever. So like, if I could get down to San Antonio and use that memory to replace the one from 10 years ago, by all means, I am there. And hopefully the building will have AC, unlike the last one I was in. But whew. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I got into it. Uh, Tommy Munoz, God bless him, man. Tommy Munoz. Him and I, we met through him and uh, Cleto. They had a, their comedy duo, mm-hmm. man. I mean, amazing, amazing. And Tommy and I were talking on the side, and, and we ended up, wanted to do this wrestling stint where I would bring out, it was a charity thing. We I bring out the chips and he crushes my chips. I mean, it was just, 
He was like, who do you think you are, man? You come back to San Antonio, crunch him. Hey, wh- why'd you do that, man? Oh, man, it was great interview on Fox. And oh, yeah. That evening, <clears throat> we had a, a, a radio broadcast on a local, you know, uh, sports show. And we were there, and Tommy Munoz told me that he was going to come and heckle. And Tommy, man, God bless his soul, man. Funny, serious, I mean, just... If he told you something, man, it was it, you know? Yep. So uh, I get a text on my phone, and I had on my car, I had a picture of a uh, uh, Stay Crunching, my friend, a bag <laughs> of chips and a, an autograph, $2. And it had me, well, <laughs> Tommy had dropped his drawers and sucked up his ass right in my face and sent me this fucking photo, man. Oh, and no. This thing, I'm looking, I'm like, holy shit. And all of a sudden, Tommy goes, yeah, I did it. Yeah, man, why do you think you're a badass? I was like, dude. Who invited this guy here, man? <laughs> fuck, I mean, oh, fuck you. And we're, man, my phone started going off from acquaintances that I have. They're right, like, hey, right. Man, we know that, dude. We'll go kick that motherfucker's ass, man. You tell me, shut the fuck up. We're going to do And I had to call people and say, hey, man, I think it's part of the act. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably sold it, man. And for a while, I was like, fuck, every time he didn't like me. So we did this event. Well, I took Tommy aside. I said, Tommy, I said, what? I said, dude, here's a chair. Hit me with this fucking chair. You didn't find it on YouTube. I said, hit me with this chair. And he, oh, I called Tommy. You got to just bam. bam. You know, right where it curves. It was a plastic one. No, yep. it was a metal one. Right where it curves. Just do it. It'll just, it'll shock you. Just hit me so I don't get up anymore. I said, when you see me, you just do a spread eagle. That means no more. As long as my hands are here, as soon as I spread them, no more. Right. Said, okay. And he hit me. He hit me a couple times. Said, All right. So we get in the ring, man. I'm like, oh, Jenna. Tommy comes in and uh, grabs a chair. Maybe throws spices in my eyes or just crutches my chips. And it just nails me with this chair. Mm. He hits me three, maybe four solid, but adrenaline was going, bro. My brother, oh, yeah. was, my brother and I aren't talking anymore, but my brother was there. And my brother and I loved wrestling. And my brother was like, no, no. But four good solid times up to the point where he got scared. And I kept telling him, pick me, Hit me. I felt, I mean, I could have gotten hit all day long with this chair. Yeah. And right, you see him toss it at me and run out of the ring. So uh, that's how I got started. And then uh, just doing some other local stuff. Uh, There's a guy called uh, The Great, George The Great, Alexander, was a wrestler I worked on on, on uh, rock and roll wrestling. Great Scott. The Great Scott. Boy, I took Great Scott, brother. Champion. Champion was a nobody. He was some good-looking guy who needed glasses, man. When he hooked up with the red corn management, he took it, brother. He went from the red to the black, brother. I that love man it. became a champion, man. I was I able to it. watch him place, you know, defend that championship, man. And, you know, great stuff. I love great it. Winner, great memories. You know what, man? You kick your ass. <laughs> Let's get that match booked then. I don't know. I might have to, uh, might have to get my manager out of retirement. Tag team, we take on some other ones. Oh, let's do that instead. I'd rather have you on my side so I don't get those chair shots because I'm not a fan of no, those. I'm telling you, man. I'm <laughs> telling you. But, no, but that was the wrestling. Uh, the wife, when we were dating, she liked wrestling. A girlfriend of hers liked it. Mm-hmm. So I've always enjoyed it. Um, there was an idea that I pitched for King of the Hill. It was uh, before the band. Yes. I wanted Don Redcorn to be a wrestler. Oh, a man. Joseph would be a. Uh, uh, Acknowledge him as a father figure. Yeah. Oh, that would have been amazing. Now my idea is Khan is deported because he wins the lottery. 
<laughs> and he doesn't want to give any money to United States of America. So he ends up getting deported and goes to France, leaving Ming by herself. John Redcorn starts dating Ming. He's no longer a masseuse, but he washes hair at a salon. He's a professional shampooer. Oh, that is a brilliant idea. Ming, who then puts the family next to Dale, where Ming can say, oh, no, Joe John Redcorn, no. No more migraine special. He does head special. So, I mean, that was the idea for the future of, of, of stuff. But, man. yeah, man, um, that is awesome. Yeah, a lot of stuff, man. Worked with a lot of fun people. Absolutely. And just because you brought up King of the Hill right there, for the longest time, I didn't know that actually, you know, a friend of yours that tragically passed away, Victor Aaron, was originally the voice of John Redcorn. And then yes. when he unfortunately passed away, you assumed the character. What was that like for you stepping into that role, especially knowing that, you know, like your friend brought it to the forefront and put it in the spotlight? What was that like for you to assume that position? It sucks, and you feel undeserving until you're 56. And if I turn 57, I'll feel undeserving until I'm 57. Mm -hmm. uh, Victor, good friend of mine, uh, good friend of, of, of everybody. If you knew Victor, he's you know, he a good friend. Absolutely. Uh, I met him, man, in the shade of, of night on 6th Street one time, him looking mean. Uh, he came to my aid one time looking mean. Um, and I thought, Jesus, man, I will never work in this industry. Not when there's a man like him walking around. Uh, next time I see him, after he came to my uh, aid one time, uh, was Geronimo. Uh, walks in the sky, walks in the air. Mm -hmm. air. Uh, yeah, and I was like, yeah, man. And that time in Dallas, when I saw Victor, I went, I'm moving. I mean, I was in Dallas for three or four years teaching school, stripping, all kinds of stuff. Right, uh, right. Austin, I taught school, I was stripping in Dallas. Uh and ended up uh, finally raised enough money, saved enough money. And when I saw Victor in Geronimo, I went, that's it, man. I said, uh, I may have missed my break, uh, but I'm going to do this. So after that, we, you know, you, know, you see Victor at an audition, you're like, well, I'm not allowed, you know, it was, uh, 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 it could be West Studi, it could be Steve Revis, Eric Schwig, uh, Victor Aaron. You walked in an audition, I knew with these fuckers, I was not working, man. You know, uh, the only thing I'm doing now is hopefully outliving everybody to where I can find something more. Uh, but yeah, man, bigger than life. Uh, he told me we'd worked on uh, Comanche Moon together. Mm -hmm. Dead Man's Walk together. Yes. Uh, and he was telling me, hey, John. Uh, he goes, uh, <clears throat> great story. He's like, oh, yeah, John, man. Uh, he goes, I got this job. He said, and uh, it's going to do this and that. And uh, there was another native actor there. I don't want to say anything. But there was another native actor there who, for no reason, picked up a glass and Whew. just started eating it. God. Looks over at me, and, man, I'm like, I'm from San Antonio, man. I mean, we don't eat glass. I mean, yeah. Good. But, and I'm just like, whoa. And Victor kind of looked over and goes, fuck, that old trick. Boy, he grabbed the glass. Whew. I'm thinking, now I see why I'm playing third or fourth fiddle of this man. So, Heard all about it. I was coming to San Antonio because the woman that I was dating at the time uh, basically said, hey, you know, you've been in L.A. for a year. It's not working out. Move back. You don't make $20,000 a year. You can make twenty four being a school teacher. Come back to Austin. So, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I sucked it up, came back. As I was entering San Antonio to see my mom, my pager went off. It was about this audition for King of the Hill, the first one. 
Oh, man. I missed the first audition. Didn't get it. Later on, down the pipe, Eric got I mean, uh, Victor got it. And then this relationship broke up in Austin. I moved back. Um, and I remember I'd been up, you know, drinking. Phone rang about 4 in the morning. It was my agent in Dallas. Oh. And answered hello. And she's like, oh, good. You're okay. I'm like, well, what's up? She said, we just got word of an actor, native Texas actor, uh, was injured in a car accident. She said, uh, we don't have all the details. She said, but you came to mind. And then, you know, and right off the, the bat there, man, you know, uh, and then he, you know, he perished and, uh, the audition happened again. I mean, we were all there, eight or nine of us all in the room, you know, not wanting to be there. Right. You know, it's, there's winners and there's losers, but mm-hmm. fuck, you're dead or you're alive. Yeah. You know, and, and going into that audition seems surreal because I knew Victor. He had a be- he has a beautiful daughter, you know, has a life, you know, always in shape. Uh, I don't have any kids, you know. So at that time, even this time now, I feel why me, not him, you know, why him, not me. Right, um, right. So we went into the audition, and there were three executives. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm going to tell this story because. They haven't called me on the reboot, so we're done. <laughs> um, I've told it before, but I don't think I've ever told it with a re- reboot movie. Uh, so we go in, and they're like, hey, Jonathan. And hello, how you guys doing? Oh, you know, yeah, I knew Victor. Oh, yeah, sure, as well. And behind them was a little picture, you know, a little five-by-seven, black and white, of John Redcorn. No shirt, just that. And they said, okay, do you have any questions? I went, no. And we'd all seen the first episode. Yep. And I knew, I knew Victor. Um, but we had to bring him to it and me to it as well. And I remember, going, okay, I'm ready. And not bad mouthing anybody, but this business, nobody's more important than you. If you're not fucking self-important in this business, get the fuck out. You know, mm-hmm. as the opposite of marriage, because you're not important in marriage. Uh, <laughs> you're of utmost importance. So that was like, yeah, I'm ready, man. And for all of a sudden, these three people all went and looked at this little picture on the wall. I mean, they could say, man, we're going to spin around. We're going to look at this picture. But, man, it was like I farted or something, man. They just spun around. Oh, man. And I said, oh, I see what they're doing there. Self-important. They don't want to associate. They don't want to cloud. They want the essence of the voice. And that's so important in voiceover mm-hmm. uh, is don't allow this to cloud what a person's listening to. Very true. You know, very true. I for a voiceover, I sent, I sent her a, a DVD. She wrote me back and said, Jonathan, this is a DVD. I need audio. I said, well, put the DVD in and close your fucking eyes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 20 years, so I got an acting job after that. But anyway, so they all spun around. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, man, is this homage to Victor? Is it homage to the photo? I know it's self-importance. And at that beat of a second, I thought, what would Victor not do? Victor was a gentleman. You know, uh, I'm not Victor. And I said, what would Victor not do? But I would say, Victor, you should have done. Great. When those fuckers spun around that chair, I went, that's a shaft. Used for shaping the shaft of mirror. Shaping the shaft. What the fucking line does? You know? And they spun around. 
so very much. And then later on, I went, you know, there's probably fucking cameras. Right. It was a way of, of, of being immature. Well, I guess it was a way of being immature. But it was not to be mean or spiteful. It just, at that time, it was like, fuck. Yeah. I got to be doing this. You know? Mm-hmm. And that just, you know, and and that realizes that, to me, I mean, sometimes in this industry, you lose actors, and sometimes you lose people, and sometimes you lose humans. Yes. And the good thing about King of the Hill, we were all human. Even though some motherfuckers I don't like, some motherfuckers didn't like me, we were all human in a world animation. And that says something, man. I mean, I would Absolutely. not show I worked on it by any means. I never, I got paid under $5,000 an episode. Wow. Okay. Per episode. Whatever episode it was less than five grand. So when people go, oh, man, you know, when you see stuff that says I'm worth three or four million and I got four kids, no, man, I ain't got four kids and I should have fucking ain't three or four million. Right, right. Um, so that's why I sell the spices. That's why I'm out here hustling. That's why I'm falling Absolutely. Down you know, for the reason that, you know, Health insurance is expensive. Oh, yeah. And the so bills never stop coming, unfortunately. So we were all human. And when we lost Victor, we lost a human. And at mm-hmm. that time, when they spun around, it was just for me an acknowledgement. And that they knew what his voice was. And they needed that essence. Right. You know. Um, so that fuck you attitude is what the red corn has. Absolutely. Not so much fuck you, but just fuck you. Now, what 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 are we gonna do, man? I mean, yeah, you know, you know, and and you know, I hope the reboot. I don't know. No one's called me. No one said anything. But I sure the fuck ain't gonna do it. You know, oh, five thousand motherfucking dollars. Oh yeah, of course. And I mean, we, I think we've been able. We, my wife and I, my fans, yourself, the people, the people that make my spices. Uh, South Texas Spice Company, man. Uh, my, 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 my agent, my manager, you know, mm-hmm. Chuck Ritchie, yes. uh, Henry Jones III, uh, Vox, commercial talent, uh, my wife, you know, my dogs. Absolutely. It's, I've got that now, man. Back in the day, I'd go to King of the Hill, man, and, and, and I would literally take uh, candy bars and aspirin from the little area they have. Mm-hmm. Because when I rode the bus, I could give, you know, two packs of aspirin, a Snicker bar, uh, and, a, a, and an almond. And he'd give me an all-day pass. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're not supposed to be shopping. I'm like, I'm not making what you guys are making. Because I know they're making more than five grand. I don't know what right. they made, but I know it's more than five grand. Absolutely. So, did not appreciate the show until after it was over. Then, you know, uh, Red Corn Gambles with this Future. That was a huge episode for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Producers told me this show is not going to make your life. Why not? I agree with them to a point is that I wanted it to make me money, but it didn't make my life, man. You know, I, I, I'm proud of something. I'm able to take salt and pepper and give it that, that San Antonio, you know, charisma. Yeah. Flavor, taste, and able to take something. I'm, I was one of the few people that have taken a character from the show, if not the only one that's taken it. You know, I'm not stealing it. I didn't discover it. You know, this ain't 1490 fucking two. Right, right. 
John Redcorn is real, man. He's he's every Native person that's out there to a good and also to a bad, man. That's what makes the show. Each one of these characters are human. Absolutely. And when we lost Victor, we lost a great human. Uh, an asshole like me ended up filling in for him. But in every great human, there's got to be a little asshole. This is true. This is true. Otherwise, you get taken advantage of. Yes. And, 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 and trust me, I, I'm so thankful with King of the Hill. Uh, did I be an asshole at times with them? I apologize, man. But we never did a bad episode involving John Redcorn. Absolutely. It was fun. He was able to, to stand up uh, being, you know, like Sir uh, uh, did the, the Redcorn song. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, you know, he, he, he was a baby's daddy. Yeah. Did he get the respect? Uh, not so much. Did he deserve it? Not so much. You know, a lot of things could have changed. Um, but I think in any human existence, there's things going on that you don't know. Yep. And that was you know, kind of birds talking to that young man, telling him who he is, what he is, you know. So I hope he comes back. Uh, I hope they bring that human aspect of it back. Absolutely. Uh, not, man, hey, I'm here for anything else, man. Anything else, man. That's it. And I, I love that attitude and that hustle. And out of curiosity, too, because, you know, like burnout is something that we hear so much about now, especially. Have you kind of found that having that that drive and that little bit of asshole in you, uh, you know, throwing up the middle fingers and everything when they turn around, has that kind of helped you, like, keep this hustle and this passion going, not only for acting, but for the spices and the, you know, and the blends as well? Has that helped you just stay motivated to keep the hustle going? Yeah, it helped me. It helped me realize I was an asshole. And right now, everyone's an asshole. I was an asshole, and there's no assholes. Now, with with the, with the, this threat looming on us, we, we, we put on that shell mm-hmm. where we have to defend ourselves. Absolutely, and be a fucking asshole. Absolutely, so, being an asshole isn't cool anymore. Yeah, you know, not being cool. No, uh, it has helped me because it helps me focus on when I was wrong, when it was youth, when it was ignorance. More importantly, when it was fear, man. Oh yeah, you know this. I'm fucking scared to death that I'm not going to get the job because I need this fucking job. Yep. You know, I mean, I'm talking shit about them now, but I need that job. If they called me and say, hey, we'll give you five grand. Shit, I'll kiss her ass. Please, yes, please, please. But I can't. You know, the wife and I have discussed it, man. She's worked hard every fucking day, man. Yes. You know, and for me to say, oh, I'll walk away from five grand for working two minutes, it's hard for her to fathom. Absolutely. You know, but... I know they're going to come back with more than that if they invite me. If they don't, man, hey, Red Corn King of the Grill, seven magnificent spice blends. Before you light your fire, before you buy the meat, get you the grill rub that'll make you king. That's it. And we're going to have some links to that in the show notes as well. So, guys, definitely make sure you check that out because, man, I guarantee you will not be disappointed. But, man, like, that just that blows my mind. That's such a powerful story. And I love how everything just related back to the characters, the cast, everybody there being human. That is the most basic, but most powerful element of everything that goes on in this world. And it's all summed up in one word, human. We all have these emotions and like John Redcorn, for example, like you said, he's the best of the best and the worst of the worst, but you see him having those human struggles on the show and you brought that to life. I mean, you know, some people don't appreciate the intricacies that go into voice acting because they think it's just talking into a microphone, but 
if you didn't bring that same emotion to that character, it would have never been as powerful and he wouldn't be like the cult classic that you see going viral on social media now with memes and everything else. So, I mean, it, it all comes back to being human and the man behind it. And that's a powerful, powerful thing. Ed Dredge did an amazing thing, man. And he created all the cast and he created all the characters. Absolutely. Um, man is amazing. Amazing. Yes, sir. He uh, is. I guess that's <laughs> I don't know. Will he sponsor this show? Probably not, but we can wish. <laughs> but man, so I don't want to gloss over any of the on-screen acting too, because like, I just want to know what was there any difference or struggle for you from going on screen to behind the microphone? Like, did you ever have any differences or a preference of one over the other? Not really. I mean, I'm, I'm, I move a lot. Right. So you really have to get behind that mic, get the filter. Uh, I have, I mean, King of the Hill, we had the same uh, uh, sound engineer. So every time we'd plug in, the camera was, I mean, the mic was where it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Everything. Knew where to go. It was like putting on old shoes. Uh, you know, uh, it was just condensing it. Absolutely. Condensing it and uh, maybe saving the voice. Yep. One time we'd blow out early. I'd read that script and mm-hmm. make sure they do it again. <laughs> gotta gotta run in by the dogs. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. And we get the run in. That is beautiful. I know my dog's outside the studio right here, so he'd kill to be on here right now. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like they're getting ready for a rumble back there behind you. So who knows? You might be in for a fight. Not a crazy dog person. Uh, Ex girlfriend got a bunch of dogs. Uh, yeah, I just lost one. Lawrence Adams Gonzalez. Uh, a dog from the neighborhood attacked him and killed him in the yard. Oh, I'm so uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just rough. I mean, it's just it happens, man. Yeah. I'm not that this many to begin with, but. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, they have foster homes that they go to and yep. they enjoy themselves and every once in a while I bring them all together. Absolutely. Uh, and that's a, just, yeah, I didn't have a hard to let them go, man. And it's a, that's a hard thing too, because I'm a, I'm a big dog person. I know you and I have talked before my, the one I still have right now, he's a, he's a rescue dog. He was a death row dog. Uh, we unfortunately just lost man, his brother. Character, man. Yes, sir. That's my baby. That's my 80 pound lap baby. Yeah, man. I, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, uh, Split McKenzie. Spud McKinney, I, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, yeah, man. Right on, right on. Man, it, it's crazy to say. I know you've got a you've got a hard out here, so we won't take up too much more time. But we've covered so much in such a brief period of time, and it feels like it's flown by here. But we're gonna we're gonna flip the script a little bit now, and I'm gonna let you throw some questions my way. So the floor is yours. And guys, as a disclaimer, I don't know what these questions are gonna be ahead of time, so. I am at Jonathan's mercy for whatever he wants to throw my way. I got to throw it right now, Mr. Mohawk. Uh, <laughs> so you cut that every day? Did you, have to, did you just cut it for today? No, no. I actually, um, I've been thinking about doing this or shaving my head again, going back uh, to Thanksgiving of last year. And I just got the wild hair one day because I knew I was getting ready to come back into wrestling and wanted to do something to stand out a little different from last time. 
So I just, I figured, you know, if I mess it up, I can just shave it all off and be bald. Won't be any different. But man, I, uh, I ended up shaving it, got a lot of compliments, which blew me away. So I just, you know, every other day I'll go back and shave it again and keep the sides down. But I've had it for, gosh, almost half a year now. And you look like a hairy guy. You one of them bear looking guys underneath that shirt and stuff? Oh yeah. That's, uh, actually I had my, my workout tank top on before we got on here. So I figured I'd go ahead and change, but yeah, that's part of the wrestling character too. Like all the chest hair and everything. So that's it, man. He'll sweaters and it kind of goes through the sweater. Yep. I got the singlet. It comes out over the top. You want to go, oh, you got a great hair on that sweater. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I've had. So many comedy spots and wrestling matches where the guy will go to uh, go to I'll go to shoot him off. He'll stop and grab the chest hair and he'll pull me back in or whatever. Such easy comedy stuff, man. It, it's wonderful, wonderful. So now, easy. I know you contacted me to do this show. Yes, sir. Expect a reply from me. Um, man, see, that's the thing. I honestly looked at it as I was just going to shoot my shot and see what happened, but. I was very surprised when you did, and then I was very surprised when you called me. So I took it as a blessing more than anything else. And I've, I've kind of just learned to say, you know, why not? As long as I'm not being disrespectful to somebody, why not? Never hurts to ask. Why not? It was told to me by a, a Filipino 1976 Cadillac stretch limousine driver. Picked me up in San Francisco. Got in there and I said, dude, can we please stop and get some rolling paper? He goes, why not? Beautiful, man. Why not? So that that, that rings so true. Cannot beat that. Why not? So where do you see yourself? I mean, this is the beginning of your second year. Yes, sir. You're shooting in a garage. You got your, your buffalo boards there. Where would you like to see your show uh, premiere his third year? Man. I'll be honest, I'm actually working with my partner right now on getting a solid studio built outside of my house so that I'm not in the makeshift studio here. We just got picked up by a podcasting network, so I'm trying to take it bigger and better from there, you know, get on like a Westwood One or somewhere like that or a serious, you know, podcasting station or iHeartRadio even and just keep elevating from there because this is something that like voice acting, like improv wrestling. If I'm in it, I am dedicated and in it 100%. And I am just trying to basically set the example to my kids too, that whatever you set your mind to, you can do, even if it's not the traditional nine to five setting. And this is where I feel released. This is where I feel happy and comfortable. And I just want to keep going and getting it bigger and better and hoping that it still keeps reaching a worldwide audience to help people as well. So you know, just get, how, how to deal with, with overcoming, man. I'm absolutely I an overnight success in like 30 plus years. Yes. That's, that's uh, the phrase I've heard so many times. And it's so true. It's not so much the overcoming of obstacles. I have learned it's overcoming of self. Yes. Because I'm the one who places those obstacles there. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, it, uh, overcoming self, man. Absolutely. Uh, and I mean, it's yourself. Once you recognize it, brother, you better get over your motherfucking self. And that's that's the one thing right there that, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to start this podcast because all these wrestlers I've known that trained the guys like a Brock Lesnar or a Randy Orton but aren't on TV even though they're talented enough, you know, it's like 
how did you get past that? Or, you know, like, did you self-sabotage yourself? Like I've been guilty of doing it. How did you get out of your own way? Like, that is exactly why I wanted to start this show so that people would have that understanding, like that this wasn't just a golden road, you know, paved out for these people to get to these positions they're in. There was all this stuff that went on behind the scenes. And, you know, it's not just something exclusive to you. A lot of other people have those same struggles, but they, they know how to communicate it where you may not. So this may help somebody. That's kind of like the entire goal of it right there. Last question is a compliment and a question. Yes, sir. Amazing, man. Uh, not that I've done a lot of interviews, but I've dealt with enough bullshit. you got good questions. You listen. Uh, dude, very impressed. Thank you. Because this, this, to be interesting is easy, but to be interested, you know, allows someone like me who don't give a fuck about you to talk about myself. Right, but, right. <laughs> amazing. You make it easy. You make it comfortable. Thank you. Question. I may be dating myself, but we talked about wrestlers. Yes, sir. Uh, so I think we're only on somewhat the same age range. Although you look a little fat motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, my wife's like, um, who would you say you would not emulate but if you had Johnny Carson, if you had uh, uh, Jay Leno, if you had uh, the the redheaded guy Conan, Ryan, yep, Conan Ryan, you know, where in that category do you see yourself falling into? And I may not name someone, you know. Man, that's a tough call. But out of those specifically, I would probably say more towards a Conan. Just because it seems like I'm I'm more in line with his line of humor, and he's actually yeah. been involved with a lot of the shows that I I tend to gravitate towards. So I would probably I, say Conan. I see that to the point to where when you said you want to set up your uh, your stage dunking booth, man. Oh yes. If you're gonna be outdoors, get a B lister, C lister like me, do a dunking booth. Oh yeah, man, that would be Maybe awesome. Come out and just slam it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And like, bikinis, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it's not offensive, but you're funny, you're lighthearted. Thank um, you. So good, man. No, I'm done here, brother. We got some ribs cooking. We got some vegetables. Absolutely. And we know that you use the red corn king of the grill spices on them too. So we're gonna yes, have sir. that. We're gonna have that linked in the show notes. We're gonna have your uh, social media linked in the show notes as well. And guys, go check it out. And if you go check it out. Tell them that you listen to the podcast and that you're a first-time buyer and that you want to try it out, man. Never hurts hey, to share and support. You know, you saw it on this show. We'll add in uh, 8x10 autographs instead of the little 4x7s we give. Mention the show. We'll, we'll knock it up on that. And talk to your promoters, man. Get me down there. I'm already on. I'm already working on that right now, so something around hey. Tennessee or Kentucky may be coming your way, my friend. Hey, brother. We got it, brother. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, Jonathan. Brother, take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. Call elbow. <laughs> That's All it. That is it, man. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in tonight for this awesome episode. Can't wait to talk to you all again next week. Check us on social media. Subscribe and like wherever you get your podcast from. And I know you hear me. Hi, I'm Will Harridge, and I'm an audio engineer. But you would not believe the amount of mediocre voice actors I get in on the daily. It's scary, honestly. I always want to recommend them to Elise Bowman, who's the best voice acting coach I know, but I'm always afraid I'm going to offend them and be out of a job. 
Thankfully, I send the best ones over to her anyway over at EliseCoaches.com, and they keep coming back. Hi, I'm one of the mediocre talents that Will has to work with. And really, I'm thinking about looking up Elise myself. Go look at Elise Coaches today and start your career without ending mine. What he said. The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.